food was my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was, I had a lot of great things happen for me in childhood and also a lot of toxic dynamics and dysfunctional relationships, just trauma. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast made to inspire you to create a life and business on your own terms. You'll hear candid interviews with people who have boldly decided to blaze their own trail and the occasional solo show with me, your host. I'm Willa McDonough, on-camera coach, storyteller, and remote video producer. Five years ago, I moved from my home base of San Francisco to the coast of Portugal, taking a big leap into the unknown. Some called it courageous, I called it carving my own fucking path. Today I live in Lisbon and run a business that elevates your online presence, helping you show up confidently on camera to create videos that showcase your brand and personality so you can get more visibility and attract clients by being yourself. If you're just starting out in business or you've been doing it for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice and hopefully feel inspired by stories from people who have chosen the unconventional and sometimes messy path. And if you've been waiting for a sign to start carving your own fucking path, this is it. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path. Thank you for being here. Pleasure. Actually, I'm in your home right now. <laughs> we are in Sintra, which is outside of Lisbon, Portugal. And um, I'm here with Jeff Lester, originally from the States. I don't know what state though. Georgia. Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. From the South. That's okay. Right. And now uh, we're we're recording from his beautiful property. Castles are in the distance. It's absolutely stunning. If I could show you a picture, I would, but I can't. So I'm here with Jeff today and we recently met. I actually don't know much about you, but you have, I feel like you, you're the guy that walks the walk, the talk, talks the talk. Walks the talk. Uh, walks the talk. And you, you're a coach, a facilitator, a healer, essentially. You facilitate people through transformation on all levels. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. Okay. And and like I said, you you just you exude this energy and calmness about you. Thank you. Which we can all use a bit of that. And I want to kind of dive into a bit of you know your story, but ultimately. This, this podcast is about carving your own fucking path, blazing your own trail, and living in a country like Portugal. There are a lot of people that are doing that. Could you take us to the moment that you decided, if you have a moment. I do. Where you decided, I'm going to carve my own fucking path. I do have a moment, like a pinpoint on the map. Like it, mm. it's really, on the timeline, it really is there. And... I love the invitation of this podcast to reflect on the ways that we've really taken ownership for our life and, and chosen something different than the norm or the reality that we are brought up in. And so to preface that moment, it's significant for me to share that I was living a lot and I was young, I was in my early twenties and I was uh, living a life that I recognized. I woke up to, I became aware of the fact that it, wasn't serving me and it wasn't authentic to me and I started to recognize in in myself the choice making architecture that had gotten me to that and I grew up very overweight mm. like wow almost 300 pounds for U.S. listeners 140 kilograms for was my highest weight and okay. when I left home to go to university 
that's when things started to shift me. So I had a, a very big transformation going mm -hmm. from being so overweight in, in an environment that was facilitating that to recognizing what, you know, what just is my power and influence over my mind and my ability to shape my body in, in a healthy way, like mm -hmm. to lose weight. Right. So let me, yeah. Okay. Course. 300 pounds. Yeah. And you were under 18. Yeah. I was under 18 around that. So, weight. okay. Yeah. So really young. What, okay. You grew up in Georgia. We know that's maybe more unhealthy food. Yeah. Totally. Let's say is your family also? No. Okay. Food was my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was, I had a lot of great things happen for me in childhood and also a lot of toxic dynamics and dysfunctional relationships, just trauma. When mm -hmm. we look at it now, right. we have, we have, a, we're developing a language <clears throat> that's becoming more mainstream around what hijacks our nervous system and how mm -hmm. we, how that manifests. And if it's some kind of addiction, which it usually is for me, it was food. So me being a sensitive human being found ways to not feel the overwhelming amount of emotion that was showing up for me. And that manifested as a, as a very dysfunctional relationship with food that would carry with me even past losing weight. And I'll get into that. Right. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I got out of that and, and got some space from that, I started, I could parse out what's more authentic for me. What's, you know, what do I want to go after? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to study, but I felt com, com, compelled that I had to study engineering mm -hmm. as, a, as a college student. My grandfather went to Georgia Tech as this big deal. I was good at math and physics. And so therefore I needed to do that. And it was so much to please my parents and also society. Yeah. So recognizing having this overweight and then ha developing an exterior shell where my intellect, my intelligence, my performance academically became my suit of armor so that mm -hmm. I could be significant. So I could feel like I was worthwhile. Right. So like all of that is, is showing up. And then I lose, I go on a weight loss journey with lots of support and lots of self-discovery in that. And I really consider that the, the cracking of the egg, the first big transformation for me. And I recognize I love exercise. Like I love to move my body. And I felt like I discovered who I was through that journey mm -hmm. and i was i was essentially off to the races and because that shifted so much now the paradigm around me choosing what lights me up in life starts to come to light and i am mm -hmm. now curious about the things that give me energy and that that fuel my passion and, and, and excitement enthusiasm for life and that started to rattle the the ego around the pride of being an engineer and and all the work that I've done up to this point two or three years in, in engineering school um where I, the question pops into my head you never it wasn't even a question it was a statement <laughs> it was it, I was walking up to the gym in in Georgia Tech in Atlanta there's a hill that goes up to the gym and I was walking up to it and I had the thought pop in my head you never liked any of this anyway and it was around the course material, the, mm -hmm. you know, the whole premise of what it, what an engineer was and, and not the, the romantic story about building an Ironman suit, kind mm -hmm. of what engineering, what I thought engineering might be. Okay. So you had a, yeah, an idea of what it was and then the reality. reality. Now were exactly. you fit at this point? Yeah, I had, I had okay. lost weight and I'd really uh, fallen in love with moving my body. I, I started teaching spin classes, like in wow. group fitness classes, was connecting with community. Cool. So it was, the first time around my health 
around my fitness that I felt very connected to and, and ownership. It's like, I chose this, I went for it. And I was really feeling the confidence of that shift. So a thought mm -hmm. pops into my head. I've never liked any of this anyway. And of course, that's a very disturbing thought to have when you're three and a half years into an undergraduate <laughs> degree. And I just was like, kick that out of here. I'm like, I'm not listening to that right now. I'm going to go get something to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, and that's, yeah. that, that might've been how I would uh, have originally like placated, like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget about that. Mm -hmm. So, and, and interestingly, exercise became the next way of, of numbing for me. So I had to work yeah. through that relationship with health and fitness so that they, my relationship with food becomes functional. My relationship with body movement becomes functional and uh, supportive. Of course, now that's down the line, that's further down. So from the pinpoint. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just want to preface that I started having these thoughts pop up and it was like a, a new awareness of what, what is pulling me, like what desire, what life do I want to live? I'm still that age where I'm really open to, and thank goodness I got open to, because yeah. it would be so easy to shut the door on that. And I refused, I think my weight loss journey allowed me to keep the door open and even open it more towards what matters, like towards what's right. valuable to me. And also the ability to make this big shift and get support that's something else that yeah. takes a lot of courage yeah to did. say i need help especially at that age yeah. and even to talk about yourself in that way i can imagine even addressing it because it's almost maybe something well, you want to talk about yeah i mean i think every i would imagine as certainly was my case uh, i wanted to lose weight like i mm -hmm. want it was just it was an uphill battle it was like all this these patterns and behaviors and Right. addictions that I'm unconscious of that make it very difficult to to change mm -hmm. and so it's it's as much a process of becoming more conscious becoming more aware and moving the energy of that keeps us stuck in old patterns which of course that whole language that I'm using now is informed by I was gonna know, say lots of retrospect you're, you're very self-aware so curious just again with the self-awareness uh-huh because you just said that the lang the language that you're using is a, of course of a lot of work on yourself yeah. and acknowledgement and supporting others. When did you start becoming this self aware? Was it in those? It was. Years? It was. It was one weight loss. Then I finished. Actually, my mother passed away mm -hmm. the last um, semester I was an undergrad, and, and her presence shifted a lot. You know, her, mm -hmm. her losing her presence shifted a lot within me. And I started to recognize, you know, a lot of my choice to be here was around pleasing mom, making her mm -hmm. proud. Like I felt like I had to, okay. had to do that. And I started to, you know, recognize different possibilities. And, and I was close with my mother. However, the, the nature of how she passed away being what I described over, over prescribed with pain medicine mm -hmm. for decade for, yeah. so just being really in the, to the shadow side of the Western medical system. And I lean even further into what can I do for me is natural health and wellness mm -hmm. and continued on that discovery. And I started to recognize that there's something um, deep within me that wants to be discovered around it. Like there was, um, you know, a churning, a, 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 a restlessness and a discomfort with how things are and how can I change even more? And also, uh, starting to pick up books on psychology, behavior, mm -hmm. uh, self-development so that I could continue to optimize because that I reckon, you know, I've got a taste of 
self-development transformation and weight loss it, once somebody tastes that it's yeah. like for me it's off to the races but i'll tell you this in that journey i recognized uh and again retrospect is is it allows me to see this but i did not really understand what the present moment was mm. so i started reading these books and i like the power of now that kind of book not yet okay not yet but that's a great one um mm -hmm. How to win, win friends and influence people, mm -hmm. like classic self-development yeah. book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the Power of Habit, Thinking Fast and Slow. These are some of the books that I can remember. Mm -hmm. Trying to understand that. And, and some of them talk about the value of presence or being present with what you do. And I remember this is a very significant memory for me because when I did really click into what presence is, I was like, oh, wow, I was missing the forest for the trees. Totally. I was in the living room with my dad and I, I, was talking to him, I said, hey, what's, there's an interesting thing that keeps popping up in these books. It's the value of being present. And he says, nonchalantly, that presence mm -hmm. is everything. Yeah. And I say, well, I'm here, aren't I? How could I not be present? So in that mm -hmm. reflection, what I recognize is I was fully identified with my body as myself. So I, I didn't, yeah. I wasn't aware of something able to observe my thought process. Okay. So you're more in the ego. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, ego identification, mm -hmm. like complete. Yeah. And we get moments of space around that. However, that plus awareness, which is what the yoga practices mm -hmm. facilitate, that's where a big shift happened for me. So to continue this journey, I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mother has passed away, leaving a chasm of just like shifting energy within me like lots of transformation like brewing it from this time from the inside so the weight loss is very much superficial and now it's like there's things really changing within me I have choices to make decisions that aren't informed by what I'm supposed to do and that led me down a path where for a year I for eight months I started working at a running shoe store I enjoyed that I, I I fell in love with running and then it was time to like okay get back serious I still had this idea that I would be an engineer because I didn't want to waste that yeah, and and, cool. and the whole time I'm having conversations like what's meaningful what's purposeful what what can I do to travel travel was a big thing for mm -hmm. me so I signed up to do a, a master's degree in abroad living in France mm. and that was to hopefully be able to blend the sports uh the athletic apparel side of things with mm -hmm. engineering so i was going to study material science okay and i got there and we we're studying aircraft composites you know steels aluminums all of this stuff and it's just like nothing like i could have imagined it being and, and being a satellite campus in france it's not like i could really have the whole repertoire of uh so many other uh like possibilities to learn is like I could learn what mm -hmm. they were teaching there so it wasn't what you thought it wasn't what I thought no mm -hmm. I, I did get to I did get there to get to travel I you know I got more of my European traveling itch scratched and very quickly I it, a year in mm -hmm. I hit the wall yep. because I was then compromising what was interesting to me with what was very not interesting to me like mm -hmm. I I I, rec I started to recognize there was a barrier to this and while I was there I put a lot of my time and energy towards creating a community around fitness because it wasn't it didn't exist 
And I wanted to keep that. So mm-hmm. I, I developed it. I was teaching boot camp and I had a friend, she came in and taught yoga. So we were doing yoga twice a week, boot camp twice a week, running, running class. It's really cool. Yeah. And it was so, so much fun, except like the, the, uh, elephant in the room was like, I'm not studying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like, I get a homework assignment yeah. and I You're like, and I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this. I can understand it in class, but I just like, I no. teach boot camp. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's and, not interesting. I mean that, yeah, you're doing both, but I, like I subconscious started following my bliss. But yeah, the the pin is that I gave myself permission mm-hmm. to really allow myself to embody that yeah wellness lifestyle as a career, because we get I mean, this is a totally what I experienced at Georgia Tech is like a conditioning around pride of being an engineer. Mm-hmm. The fight songs about that we would look down on business majors, psychology majors. We like, you know, engineering, there's so much ego wrapped up in that. I mean, I mean, not for everybody, but certainly for most. Yeah. And I had to swallow the pride because I'm here living this intention to get a six figure salary, to be this status symbol in Mm -hmm. society, to, to make people look up to me, right. All the extrinsic reasons, the outwardly motivated reasons and yet that's no longer fueling me mm-hmm. and, and influencing my behavior because I started putting my energy towards my passion. And I'm walking back from campus one day, just like that same moment that I had the thought pop in my head that I never liked any of this anyway. Is this in France still? This is in France now. Mm-hmm. And I have just come back. I've been assigned a boatload of homework. I know I've got assignments I haven't done. There's an exam this weekend or this Friday. And it's like a Wednesday and I, and I'm literally just staring down at the ground in the headspace, like the heaviness of it, because it's like, I felt soul crushing weight. It was, it was crushing me yeah. because I had this identity that was like, I get, I make good grades. I succeed. I never really let myself fail at something. Mm-hmm. And here I am somehow letting myself fail at this in the pursuit of something else. And I hadn't given that the credit or hadn't hadn't allowed myself to own that as something I could succeed in. So I'm walking back, just massive gloom and doom, storm cloud over my head. And then I look up over up and to the right, and there was the, the soccer field, the football pitch where I was teaching boot camp classes. And the the transition from that heaviness to then something that was light, which is mm-hmm. you know, after years of meditation, I, I'm used to that experience of of being in some headspace and then liberating that with a different point of view or just seeing it differently. But you weren't meditating. But not then. No, 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 yeah. no. I, and I want to get add more context to that. But in that moment, it was so heavy and then so light. Yeah. And it was just, whoosh, it just tore me. And I was like, I looked down, saw the fork in the road, realized that I didn't want to go this. And, and I was like, I'm going to quit. Like, I'm going to quit my master's degree halfway through it. Um, of course, I had the fear of what other people will say. What will my dad say? Because, you know, I'm still there uh, to to make my dad proud, to be a mm-hmm. good son was still part of the operating system. My peers, my colleagues. And then, you know, what of the leap of faith? Yeah. And that's the moment. That's the moment where I said, I'm going to blaze mm-hmm. my own fucking path. I'm mm-hmm. going to go for it. And I'm lucky because part of that was informed by the fact that I had visited London, England. I had visited a friend there. And in London at the time, I mean, it's still the case. You could pick up a rock and throw it and you'll hit a fitness studio. Or you <laughs> like, like there's, it, oh, there's I didn't know it was lots. so 
fit lots of there. fitness studios lots of i mean there's just like as many pubs mm-hmm. there's just as many pubs so yep. they, they're, they're yin and yang there right. they balance it out but you know you'll spin studios really posh boutique spin mm-hmm. studios cycle I, I tried out to be an audition to be an instructor there and lots of these exciting opportunities for me and i saw it as a possibility and so it's the mm-hmm. first time walking back from class that heavy moment looking up seeing the place where i was following my bliss and then feeling that shift in energy and recognizing wow look at all this energy that i could be tapping into if i'm doing what i love mm-hmm. or doing what you know i'm passionate about so that was it i mean i decided on that two two steps further and i had made up my mind i talked myself into quitting i told the next day i told my professors i'm not not i'll come to class but i'm not taking the finals I had a professor say, look, just, I'll give you a D. Like he tried, and I was like, nope, mm-hmm. not having it. Like, so that was a super awesome, powerful statement for me to myself to follow that dream. Mm-hmm. And and the, and really at that time, the dream was, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to figure out how to get there, get another student visa or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to start auditioning to teach group fitness classes. Okay. So when I made that decision, lots of things started to happen in my favor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, I love, that's, that's a very powerful moment. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a couple of things that, that I hear a lot from people that have made big shifts. Transformation is the identity piece mm-hmm. because that is so much of what we tie ourselves to. And it's very important to do any kind of shift that you have to look at. What is the identity that I'm, seeking to create and also where am I coming from and and why am I in this you know structure this box Mm -hmm. society family conditioning all those Mm -hmm. things and then the biggest thing is that you gave yourself permission huge massive so anyone listening to this who wants to make a change or feels that first and foremost you have to give yourself permission in my case someone else gave me permission Mm -hmm in a way. And it was just, it, it was just like a reminder, but it was, it was that voice that I've, you know, not listening, not listening. And then when someone else just said it, it sort of opened things up. So that's huge. I'd love to permission. give, yeah, I agree. I'd love to give more context to that. Cause it, cause it, maybe you're hearing permission, like not connecting with that word. It's good enough to follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. It's good. You Like that's yeah. worthwhile. Yes, exactly. So I had the story and the identity wrapped up and then what significance engineering was. So that had some meaning to Mm -hmm. me and that this other path wasn't good enough. Right. It was my dream. I'm good enough. I'm so that was me. Yeah, I'm worth Mm -hmm. it. Like I'm worth it to, to dismantle this idea and perception that one is different than the other or one, one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. it's huge. And the disappointing people, not wanting, you know, what are people yeah, going to think? Too. Yeah. Fuck, I, I also can identify with that. And at the end of the day, no one really gives a shit mm. unless it's directly affecting them and it's hurting someone else. But right. I, I think we, we really way wrap bigger. way bigger, way bigger. Um, even moving to Portugal. I mean, that was a big one. And I thought, what are people going to think? They're going to judge me. I mean, I had all these stories, and at the end of the day, everyone was like, that's badass. Yeah. I want to do that too. This is a while ago when not everyone was moving here, but, or even the digital nomad idea was kind of n- not yeah. as yeah. pre-COVID. Pre, yes, many years before. So I think it, if 
I think so many people can identify with that in a way around wanting to do something, but the fears are there, but a lot of it can be tied up in, in what other people will think. And, and in thinking that I'm on one path, I better stay on that path mm-hmm. because white knuckle it. Yep. Just push on through. And that's, that's a huge lesson is if it keeps coming up too, if that voice keeps coming and, and then also noticing the self-awareness piece, noticing where am I it. coming alive? Yeah in these things so did you move to london i did and what was also happening at that time was i was diving more into the self-development books because Mm -hmm. i I was trying to be happy while doing something i didn't love yeah so so there was an and that's that's the first time i said it like that but i was really trying to figure out happiness while not honoring following my bliss Mm -hmm. you know like doing what i love or doing what was interesting to me and I couldn't figure it out uh, for obvious mm-hmm. reasons is that I was still pursuing the path that wasn't uh, aligned. And I got to this point where I had read dozens of books and I learned all the habit. <laughs> I learned all the mindset stuff. I learned, yeah. and I say all in quotation marks, I, you know, I learned the psychology. I learned change your three steps to changing your habits, mm-hmm. all this shit. It, it's, you know, it's good shit. Like it's good, it's good. stuff. Yeah. But it, it only uh, facilitated a, a deepening of that yearning for what the hell they're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what really, this was a next, this was like the next big shift for me was trying to embody that stuff, feeling like I'm banging my head up against the wall because change can be really difficult. Yeah. And so it, enter the yoga practice. I, w- I had been doing yoga for a few years, but not like seriously. Mm-hmm. It was on and off, week here, week there, doing a yoga class. Then I got my friend Renata. She was a student colleague at the university and we were doing weekly yoga classes and she was teaching it. So I was getting more practice in yoga. Mm-hmm. Then when I quit, I won. I, I immediately signed up to be a counselor over the over the summer period. So I got paid for that. I stayed enough to start my visa process for the UK. And then I went back to the States, applied to the university. So I, I, I did a recce for, for U, UK What's people that? that will appreciate that. I did a reconnaissance mission mm. to the mm-hmm. UK, a recce. I love that. Recce. A recce. To go see what was there. To go Shit. see the university. Hold on, hold on. One sec. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to. So I so oh. when I made the decision, I, I really was a final decision in there to my dad, to my friends. Then I planned a trip to go visit uh, London, go visit my one of my great friends, Rob, there. And I looked at a, like a university and I looked at, you know, their programs and everything and saw what I could transfer over to get a visa. So that was the next, you know, mm-hmm. goal. That was, I wanted to go to London. I felt really connected with London. And I mean, that's, I, I feel like that's in my soul. Like, it, mm-hmm. like the UK, especially, uh, and London. Yeah. It's definitely like my soul yearns to be there. So I felt that. And in Europe, being in Portugal is nice. It's closer. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's nice. That's funny. It, yeah, it's, it's funny like where we connect. Thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm su- a Southern, too. Southern Europe girl, big yeah. time. Not UK, but I've never mm. been to Ireland, for example, or Scotland. So Ireland's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, you go back there and you're planning on moving mm-hmm. and like, that's going to be your life. Yeah, well, what, what, um, so I was talking about the, the continued suffering around trying to have things figured out. Mm -hmm. And then the change 
of heart around my path. Mm-hmm. So it's a significant shift in path. What I experienced, and this is, I've experienced this a couple of times when we align, say we, but when I've aligned mm-hmm. with my, what's more for me in this life, I get this burst of energy and it's like everything flows. Mm-hmm. Everything go, it starts to work in my favor instead of banging my head up against the wall. It's like, yeah, I'll get this visa situated and it's, it's, it'll be smooth instead of mm-hmm. like getting turned, you know, getting turned down or whatever yep. it is. Right. Do you say to yourself, it's going to be easy? Sometimes I say, I, so, like I, I say it gets to be easy. Mm-hmm. Or what if it's easy? Right. Yeah. What if, what if it's easy? That's the thing we say, well, what if it all goes right to shit? So I'll talk, I'll yeah. talk about that stuff. And when we go to language, yeah, yeah. that's going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I also want to hear because Clearly there's been a big shift, you know, to where massive like then and now. Yeah. What would you say just for like time's sake and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would you say would be the most influential thing that really started the embodiment? Yes. Taking it from reading in a book, listening to a podcast, some, you know, to then becoming. I want to, uh, yeah, absolutely. I want to stress the difference between knowledge and yeah. wisdom, like mm. it, like the intellectual level of information Versus the embodiment mm-hmm. of of it, the the living it live, living it um, behaviorally at, through our actions. So that was something I, I had yet to connect with. And when I went to London, I wanted to get a bike. It was like part of the dream. I wanted to get a bike. So like a road bike. A road bike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> not not a motorcycle, but a road yeah. bike. You could pedal it. And um, in the UK, they have this this website called Gumtree that's like Craigslist mm-hmm. for for them. And I looked up a bike. It was a fixed gear, had pink handlebars. I thought that's rad. It was also an old bike. I'm not, <laughs> that is I'm not gonna be worried about it getting stolen. So I, I meet the guy at a, a fixie tubes, a fixie, as they say. Mm-hmm. And I had never ridden a fixie before. Why would you want to? I figured that out very quickly. <laughs> I take a first spin. I never have like, <laughs> in my, I I get on. I, I meet the guy at the tube station. I try the bike out, and in my like my cheesemo at the time I, I i was like in my mind i was like how the fuck am i gonna get around in this and, yeah. then I, and I you know well, i'm fit yeah this cir- is circle back around to him i'll take it <laughs> it's like you didn't want to yeah i didn't want to like say no and look uh, like you yeah and also be like how does anybody ride because they're yeah. in vogue they're totally in vogue i don't mm-hmm. know if they're still the thing but big c's were mm-hmm. like a cool thing in, in london at the time so I get it and I ride that and I'm still coping with traffic being the other side of the road that I'm oh, used right. to. So I'm ri- riding a gear, fixed gear. And then, you know, London buses are riding up on my ass and still <laughs> trying to figure out how to pedal. A fixed gear means you have to be always pedaling. The, 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 yeah. the steering crank is, uh, the pedal crank is always turning, no coasting. And and the brakes too are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to like time you, it right. I don't, yeah. Yeah, so you, you use the brakes, but you're, feet always have to be going the pace of the pedals otherwise you'll get me grinded and uh <laughs> a day and a half later i'm like this no i'm not i'm not gonna continue with the fixie mm-hmm. i can take it to a bike shop and get the bearing replaced so that it can be like a normal ass bike and i wanted that so i'm going to the bike store this is all feels very fa- the reason i tell that story is it feels very faithful for mm-hmm. me like it feels Love like it. all wrapped in destiny I walk past the yoga studio mm-hmm. on the way to the bike store and they have the billboard out. It's the house of yoga in London, 30 pounds, which at the time was like 50 bucks for, for as many yoga classes as you want to come to in a 30 day period. Back when a free trial was like 
all you can eat buffet. Yeah, love it. And I still I find have, those deals all mm, the time when I'm home, especially. I, I still <laughs> had that mindset. Like I was like a, a um, not a starving, but like you know, I'm a budget student, and I'm gonna get. I'm gonna come every day, and I'll pay one pound <laughs> per class. That was yeah. that was my idea. But yoga had another plan for me. And I say, like, I talk about yoga, like it has this consciousness. And if you look at my Instagram page, like I'm a yoga teacher, I train yoga teachers. I embody yoga. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I do. And you won't see hardly any yoga poses on my, you know, what I'm representing. Because for me, yoga became so much more than that. And this studio was the gateway for that. And of course, it was an awesome practice. Power yoga, for me, that totally aligned with my fitness and, you know, burning, like being energy and, um, all of that. So I go for every day in 30 days, I fall in love with the community when we do. And that this is an, this is another valuable point. When we do something in immersive style, immersive fashion, like going to a yoga practice every day, not once a week, not twice a week, not three times a week, every single day for 30 days, there's a different quality to that experience it gets baked in at a deeper level. It does, yeah. And yoga, even if it's just the physical practice, there was also the community there. We were doing breath stuff. We were engaging in connection and self-inquiry in ways that I had only read about in the books, like do this exercise. Like who, 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 you know, I want to write a book. I've got a meditation book. And of course there's exercise in it. Like that's the best I can do. And if somebody wants to do the exercise and embody it, that's amazing. I've never really been that person. I just read through what they want me to do. And I, so I need, I need some other space to support me in going through that journey. And I, for, for that, I attracted the teachers and the trainings and the experience in order to, to really do that for myself. So this yoga studio, I start working behind the counter to get free, to continue to get free yoga. I sign up for the yoga teacher training, which is which is a big transformation. Yoga teacher training, foundational 200 hour, especially with this studio and, and some of the other ones I've had the, the fortune of being associated with, working with yoga schools, big emphasis on how yoga transforms. Like yoga is mm-hmm. a, a science for spiritual and conscious evolution. It is all those things that if you practice yoga, you're going to transform. And we've been you, practicing yeah? for 20 20 years yeah my mom is a yogi yoga uh-huh, teacher uh-huh. I grew up around it and I've never done a teacher training love being a student and I'm but yeah so you're kind of inspiring me to actually do it for this transformation yeah because I practice a lot well, like that's in years I go up and down but yeah and yeah and I think I think there's something that about that deepening of the practice but I think being a teacher I've always been no I love yeah this so like you recognize like i i leadership being in front presenting teaching is something Mm -hmm. that's like so dharmic for me as a when i even when i was in engineering i was a tutor i started teaching the group fitness classes started teaching boot camp classes like i just want to to lead i want to hold space and yeah that yoga teacher training was huge Mm -hmm. big shift Mm -hmm. i i didn't have any idea of the business of yoga teacher trainings or any of that i just wanted to be connected with the community and it was amazing and it's it's remember the embodiment all the all the things that i learned through those books they're in my body waiting for me to unlock it at the experiential level 
-hmm. So it's not just that I've read it and like, okay, the mental part of me can go, yeah, I can see how that works. I can to, to unlock it as, as embodied wisdom. And it's something that's, I'm using words, which is already a degree of separation from that. Like it's a direct experience. Mm -hmm. It's it's like you learn the stove is hot by touching it. It, So to use that same direct experience, it's like, it's there in your body. And all this wisdom just started to come more alive in me and studying the philosophy of yoga and just immersing myself that and and that opened up. And I said, I, I realized that this is what it needs to be, whatever form or shape it takes. I'm a yoga teacher. And and I've always said yoga teacher, understanding for me, the bigger scope of yoga. And I know most, most will, will think standing in a classroom teaching asana, physical yoga practice, which I do that. Um, for me though, it's like meditation, it, training your mind, getting connected with yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good segue because at the same time, I started connecting with the yoga school and doing um, consistent daily yoga practice. I started also meditation practice. So we say yoga, uh, yoga is the state of being that we get to if we practice the practices, right? So it's right. the way we use yoga is a little bit different. Meditation is one of those practices that leads itself to yoga. And I said, all right, um, I am having rubbish mornings. I was still having... Um, difficult relationship with food at the time Mm. now it's more about binge eating and over exercising so i was in excess okay were you binging on unhealthy stuff no healthy stuff well more healthy stuff because i yeah i know what you mean you're like well it's healthy-ish but it's still it's the eating disorder thing it's it's the if i'm eating then i'm not feeling yeah and then i'll beat myself up for eating and then i'll eat to not feel that so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people experience dysfunction around food whether it's a full-blown disorder or I I say like dysfunctional relationship because I think so too it's something that I can speak about in my past too and um being very health conscious again yogi you know but in a nutritionist as well I studied all in my early 20s it became an obsession exactly and a control and and all of that and control manifests in that arena yeah so, so it's still dysfunctional in a sense. Right. And I think um, even just a hyper-awareness is, is it's taking you out of the enjoyment factor Yeah, being present. It's taking so much of my energy. Yeah. It's take, taking so much of my energy. So I looked at, I looked at myself and I looked at yoga and I looked at meditation. And I said, all right, what have you got for me? Like, what can you, I, there was before that healing for me was like, you get a bruise and it goes away. You're healed. It, I would just, mm-hmm fixated on the physical remember i was identified with ego okay my ego state not not being an egomaniac or anything but just like my sense of self was egoic Mm -hmm. i i had no experience of being an observer of the thoughts and behaviors that are jeff versus being like feeling like i am jeff therefore i am right Mm -hmm. so so you were fit obviously yeah and you would marathons everything okay wow i was really fit yeah so and yeah you you are you're very fit and would you be you would beat yourself up oh totally so it was that vicious cycle I had the vicious cycle going on and of course that's an inner dialogue so so that language awareness I mean that started I started to want to solve these things for myself at a deep level because I recognized no one's going to come save me I get to do it Mm -hmm. myself I get to and that's that's a really cool shift right yeah and I started being forthcoming about 
what I was dealing with was the relationship with food and, and looking towards yoga and meditation as a, a possibility for healing. What I hadn't mentioned yet is, is my relationship with my mom was quite dysfunctional, even though we, like, we loved each other. Mm -hmm. A lot of drug and alcohol abuse in my early childhood. My uncle committed suicide. A lot of suicide, like, wow. was a theme for me. So I knew also I had this idea that I had baggage. Mm. And of course, that was just an idea. But it was like, this stuff is manifesting from my unconscious. I was starting to figure that part out that I'm not, I'm not in control, but now that I've got a awareness practice, I can see myself in the moment behaving out of alignment with how I would like to do that or how I would mm -hmm. like to be. And that's like experiencing insanity to be aware yeah. of I'm here stuffing my face. I can't stop stuffing my face. I would like to have a different relationship with food. And that's just so punishing because it's like, why can't I just behave differently? It's so simple, but that's at the thought level. Exactly. And that's, and, and that's, yeah. you know, an unconscious manifestation. So that's another topic of conversation that I wish, and I hope people can, can start to grasp more of is like when something's unconscious, it's unconscious. Like we don't, we're perceiving only a very small amount of life. Mm -hmm. Most of it's coming unconsciously. Yes. So we want to work the energy and yoga is about that. And that's why yoga is a healing science, right? Mm -hmm. I committed to everyday meditating. I committed to cleaning up my morning routine because yeah. I was pressing snooze until I had, you know, two minutes to get my teeth brushed and get to class. And by the way, I was still in class, but again, oh, you were teaching or you were uh, taking class. No, no, no. I was in a university. Mm, okay. And so that again became a side note. Everything became about yoga. Mm -hmm. So, um, Luckily, I passed by the skin of my teeth. I, I was able to stay in the UK with, on a on a valid mm -hmm. visa, but for me, it was, everything was with the yoga, and yeah. I and I dedicated myself verbally, committed to to community, to friends. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start waking up an hour before I need to get ready, and then in starting to fill my morning time with conscious practices, and so that's the the self discipline, self practice of embodiment that started. Uh, taking me to, to, I started seeing that, that others weren't necessarily putting in that level of dedication to their healing and to their practice for whatever reason. For me, it was like, I have to do this. Did you, were you forthcoming about your past? Obviously people see you fit. You're the yogi guy now. Did you talk about it? I learned how to be. I, mm -hmm. Vulnerability also, just like, mm -hmm. um, you know, what is, uh, what is healing at an emotional level? I didn't really understand vulnerability and I was just a baby trying to figure out how to truly connect with my emotions and feel feel them rather than suppress them mm -hmm. so it's huge I mean huge I think most people live in that space yeah especially men I yeah. can't speak but I, I think it's a no, lot of that I, I agree you know repression and then you're in the space yoga it can be quite feminine as mm -hmm. well so meaning there is a lot more openness I would think connecting yeah. with other men and being able to you're in that environment already. The training facilitated that. The mm -hmm. yoga teacher training okay. greatly facilitated that. Like they held the space and they and they presented the self inquiry, the the tools, the the sessions mm -hmm. that got us feeling safe and able to share what our stuff is. And and it's and I say stuff. It's just like the things that are so big in our head that the moment they come out, that we realize, oh god, I was making that so much bigger than it was. So it's so writing that down 
or speaking it out loud to a friend, a confidant, to the mirror, to a wall, I don't care. Just yeah. saying stuff out loud that's troubling is a really cool practice for deflating it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, changing Even it. T- saying now, talking about your past in a way, I mean, is it hard for you to talk about it now? Or is it just, that's a story now. I could, I could uh, bring my attention into places that could possibly touch emotion to, to sensitivity How, however i can talk about it forthcoming because i've shared it enough and own also owning it is mm-hmm. another part of it owning it ha- without identifying with it yeah. right just it's, it's owning your shadow integrating shadow aspects mm-hmm. uh means that i feel i feel great like i'm happy to talk about it and i and, and coming from a place of power or you know and being empowered recognizing that this is the healing journey this is the process I, i'm all for it do you help people specifically with this with totally food uh stuff i yeah if food comes up and i think food is it's a low-hanging fruit because in terms of self-awareness it's like we can start to pay more attention to what's our relationship with food mm-hmm. i think that there's and i experience this of course there's a lot of surface level stuff around, you know, diets and plans yeah. and everything that aren't addressing the underlying reasons why food is a chosen drug of choice. It's all superficial. A lot of it. Yeah. Superficial. yeah. And, and so I seek to, to share the tools and practices that, that de facto will start to change the relationship. Yeah. I don't have to talk to you about food really, but if I support you in a meditation practice and work on you with your stories and your language, the situation with your food is going to change very quickly mm. because they're connected. Right. So, so you would go, that would be a byproduct. Oh, totally. That ship. That's interesting. Yeah. I was thinking, I was wondering if you, if you advertised, maybe not the best word yeah, yourself you know. as someone that could help you with breaking through, you know, I would be smart to do that. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, you would have like people lined out the door. Yeah. Probably... I, I, marketing, uh, you know, I want to talk, this is what I recognize, this is a side note, but like what I recognize about marketing myself, I want to talk about the technology mm-hmm. and I re- recognize people aren't interested in the technology. They're interested in the results, but well, I feel, yeah. I personally feel inauthentic. That's marketing. <laughs> exactly. There's talk some, about the results. There's some, there's yeah. some, uh, marketing is a little bit of a lie. Like you, it, it just it is, is. Yeah. like you've got to you've got to convince somebody that the, the stuff is good. Yeah. And instead of, so I recognize this is my own personal work in the business world that mm-hmm. I need to be a little bit disingenuous and talk, talk about the results and promise yeah. that because that's what people will come for and then work on them with the, you know, the technology, the, the, how we think and perceive and, and how our awareness is and, and move energy. It's about, and that's what the yoga practice does, breath work practice. It's about yeah. shifting energy, which is when we say the unconscious, that's energy. Mm-hmm. So if we can move yeah. that and and clear it and do you yeah. ever tell your story, let's say on social media or in any of your work courses or anything like that? Uh, in courses all the time. But okay. I with people, yeah. Okay. So, um social media, it's like I'm happy to share it. And I feel like in, in my, again, it's me getting better at uh, 
strategic sharing because it's like mm-hmm. if I'm in front of people and I connect with them, then I have then I feel really easy to to share. And I know it's like it's coming through me. But for for social yeah. media, it's like I've got to premeditate it, pre pre think mm-hmm. it, and that it loses this real juice that I like love. So or be yes, interviewed. I'm, I'm happy. Hmm? It's an or be interviewed. Or be interviewed. Yeah. Like you, yeah. I'm happy to, but that's another thing. It's like, I have shared aspects of it and I can share more. And okay. I feel like once I've shared it once, it's like, well, that's all I need to share about it. But like, no, to keep not visiting it, to keep. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and I'm totally. asking as a, as a, a connection point, because I'm a, an example of someone that knows you from just a few encounters. And then it's the assumptions that we made. Oh, this guy has been meditating his whole life. And he's mm-hmm. so this, it's like, we, we see the after and not to say everyone's perfect or healed. That always bothers me when people are mm-hmm. saying they're healed. What, what does that even mean? But there's clearly been a lot of work, thought, you know, and now knowing more of your story, it, it you came from an extreme on the totally. other side. Yeah. And, and so I think that's always good because we want to know, all right, he, we're all, you're human. And it's that relatability. So that's why I was curious if you, if you shared it ever. Um, because I think a lot of people would, mm-hmm. it would, especially men would help them open up even more about mm-hmm. possible struggles because it's, the tools are important, but the story, this is also the work that I help people mm-hmm. do is, is share their story is the most powerful thing because it's totally unique to you, mm-hmm. but it also is very relatable. Exactly. Yeah, and never had a problem with drugs or alcohol, right? Like food was your no, I I didn't even drink until I was like 23. Okay. And then I had the best, it was New like, Year's 2020, uh, no, 2012. And I got, I had a shot and then I had a glass of champagne. It was the first time I was ever drunk and I had so much fun. Wow. You're like, this is great. I all these years I missed out on. Yeah. It was because my, my uncle was an alcoholic and, and, my mother was over prescribed medicine. Yeah. They had an interesting dynamic where, where she would manipulate him for pain medicine. And mm. so it, I just, and I, and my sister also had um, relation, dysfunctional relationship with, with um, drugs. And, and I was like 10 foot pole, like just keep yeah. it away from me. And it wasn't until I studied abroad, had friends in college that I saw a, a, like a reasonably uh, functional if you call it that, but like a healthier relationship mm-hmm. with, with drugs or with alcohol specifically, I still okay. was very like not into drugs. So yeah, I had a great time. And and, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to like go crazy, go crazy. And that's good. I, I'm the control thing. It was control. Yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. the food is it's seeing it's again, having alcohol lick family members is so scary and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I haven't really experienced that. I had my own issues with the drinking and the partying uh, and another like flip side of things. But yeah, so I could see where you were just like wanting to have some control of your environment. Yeah. And that was just do good at school. Um, right. Just be, behave, Mm -hmm. Yeah, be a good boy. So I definitely, I did that and I didn't want any fucking drama. There was Mm -hmm. enough drama for a a Mm -hmm. few lifetimes happening. So I just like, I have a very simple life in that I just get nowhere near drama. I yeah. don't have time for it. Like I, I don't yeah. have the, like, it's not something I attract. It's not in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. 
Yeah. A lot of the time you just repeat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's known your nervous system's already wired that way. Right. Exactly. It's so, so. interesting because I, I know that as a phenomenon, I know how people repeat, but there's also the, the way of like going the opposite direction. Yeah. You see both. I see a lot of that where people I've met that live very clean, grounded lifestyles, very yeah. conscious. They come from total chaos. Mm -hmm. And then you meet the ones that are like, and mimicking it and i find that also it's about getting to the happy like to the place where you feel authentic because mm -hmm. that life I've, I've lived it and uh be like being perfect or being like super straight edge yeah it like there's still control there and that's a, a tax lot. that's an energy tax that you pay for not being authentic mm -hmm. uh, that's a one way to one way to say it and so it's like how do i loosen up in, in right. a sense, or how do I be myself without worrying? I'm going to lose, mm -hmm. lose myself. Yeah. It's that that's the line. illusion. I mean, that's what, that's what meditation starts to dissolve. I think. Right. Okay. So you have a course that you have several. I got a lot. I'm you writing got, lots of horses. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Meditations, a lot of, and you have a book as well. Meditation yeah, book. Weird. Let's look at the book. So one it's of your a journal, it's a planner. It's oh, I've recorded thirty meditations. They're guided. Oh. It's to it's to model the immersive journey. So you do that is very cool. Every day and you journal. That doesn't even look like you though. No. Slightly. You have the surfer hair. Yeah, I love surfer hair. <laughs> I love some salt water in my hair. It's the best. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the Hefe Living Guide to Inner Wisdom, thirty day mm -hmm. meditation planner. So these are meditations that you've written. They're audios. So you, you go to the, oh, okay. you, you do a, you scan a QR. I was doing QR codes before they were cool. Oh, this is, this is early COVID. Oh, it is. Okay. There it is. So you scan that, you get audios and then you go, wow. you, you read about, you know, meditation and intentions. And then you, you start day, day, day one and you have journals. So you okay. can start to live more consciously through intention mm -hmm. and you can see what the meditation practice brings up for you and it's really ba like after that it's super basic it's just repeat okay it's, it's it's we it, like to make things complicated and we do it's so simple that's the thing with meditation yeah people, oh i'm not, not doing, doing it right, right. <laughs> yes <laughs> and so the, but the meditations you wrote i guided yeah yeah okay yeah. Yeah. these are all this is all your yeah, yeah. i'm assuming but okay i've a few years on headspace and i feel mm. like that greatly influenced really you like that space yeah I, early days it was a new thing and then yeah of course i'm formally training in yoga and meditation mm -hmm. and then just developing skills as a facilitator as a guide and i was like yeah. i want to create my own version of headspace and then yeah. i did it because it's the same guy it's always one voice andy I'll andy forget andy but calm is the same same voice i'm i'm an it's the same guy headspace is no it's sorry it's one person ah. it's a woman and then i i'm an insight timer it's you were telling me about it so many meditations all different courses so i guess the one voice i didn't resonate with people so much i know people i've never had somebody say they don't like my voice but people will say they like my voice you have a nice voice thank yeah. you <laughs> and then i know that and i've been there too where i haven't been interested in somebody's voice so i, I and it's just a preference thing right yeah, yeah. so I, I remember thinking it's just the same guy yeah uh, okay, so you have a course, one of one of many, that's about the language that you use, the word choices, mm. and how that completely can change your life. So let's dive into that mm -hmm. before we wrap up, because I know this is something that you really wanted to share with people. And knowing 
um, a bit about this, you just began becoming more conscious and aware of subconscious, yeah. Yeah. how things are, you know, um, will keep you stuck if you keep using the language that you use. So I do correct people, especially around the like money stuff. If someone's like, oh, I'm broke, I'm broke. I'm like, you got to stop saying that. A, it's not true. B, it, you'll be, you will be. Yeah. If you keep saying it. Yeah. You know, abracadabra, no. what it means. Mm-mm. It's it's Aramaic. It's like the language Jesus spoke. Oh. Abracadabra literally means with my word, I influence or with my word, I create. Love it. So it, like Aramaic, they, this is getting into the ancients where those who held knowledge, like that was, they were the few and they really held knowledge and power in that way. And so understanding the, that when we say something, it's, we're casting a spell. Mm. We are performing magic in order to influence the world around us. And that's the perception. The magic is that the world around us changes, but the perce- what happens is our words influence our attention. So they're directing what we see. Our Where mm-hmm. you've heard, where your attention goes, goes energy, energy flows. Yeah. So, I mean, like you're listening right now, like bring your attention to your right big toe, right? Did it even exist before I say that? It's an interesting thought experiment. Like it didn't exist until your attention, you brought energy towards it. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. And, yep. and then what happened for that to happen? I said words that put your, that shaped where you put your attention. So that's the meta, I mean, that's metaphysics around energy and attention. And, and of course, the reason I'm so excited about this is because when we cultivate awareness through meditation practice, through observing our thoughts, it's not like... I want to come back to that moment where I recognize for the first time, oh shit, this is the present moment. Ah, uh, I was just distracted with thoughts and here's a tree and wow, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So moments, mindful moments like that, where it's where I'm engaged in something and then present. And then I recognize I get distracted again and I come present. So recognizing that where do we go when we're not present? We go into some thought space, some re- repetitive emotional and thought space and the two are connected with each other and that's where all our patterns and our cycles are and the unconscious it's like you can think about it as like currents underneath the water and so when we meditate we bring more consciousness to that we can apply the language work which is highly practical which is why i love it so much and i work with people with clients around their language and their story because what we repeat essentially solidifies so so we learn language from zero to seven Basically, we learn most of the habits and the energy around language, how a word feels or how a sentence feels, our own identity starts to formulate and solidify in those formative years. Yeah. We keep that. Crazy. Zero to seven. That's the imprinting. Exactly. Oh, so many people, I, they don't remember. They don't, well, no. When I learned this, yeah, it's subconscious mind. Oh, it's scary. When we're in that age, our mind is highly... Um, Plastic. Is it plastic? It's, it's, I think it's plastic. Um, yeah, I know the word. I knew but... this in engineering, <laughs> but it's, it's very malleable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's spongy. Spongy. It's absorbing. It's, it can change shape very easily. Mm-hmm. When we grow up and we go through um, adolescence, it starts to solidify and it becomes concrete. So, what's really cool is like, just on a side note, that's why it's so effing hard to change. Yeah. 
because you're trying to do something. You're trying to take a paintbrush, which is this little thing you read in a, in a, you know, how to do this good habit book. And you're taking a paintbrush and you're trying to change concrete with it, with the new habit. This is what's happening really. So repetition, if you do that enough, you'll get, you'll make some progress. But if you can somehow influence your neuroplasticity, then you can create change a lot, mm-hmm. lot easier. And and that's interesting. Like plant medicine is helping us do that. Cacao, oh, okay. mushrooms, other plant medicine, like that's shifting our neuroplasticity. But I, I also am a firm believer in meditation practice first. Yeah. Because that starts to shape our plasticity <laughs> mm-hmm. also. We, we start to, the moment you stop identifying with thoughts, that sense yeah. of beautiful freedom that happens, there's breathing room there. The more we start to recognize what's influencing our nervous system, and I'll come back to the words, where our attention goes, energy flows. And if, I, if I'm programmed through language to see, let's say a worst case scenario, as an outcome, yeah, I'll never, I'll never uh, f- go for it, whatever that is, because that's immediately in pr- like a nervous system response of stress, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So it's recognizing how our words are shaping our attention at that level, and then if you build it out, then you can say, all right, our thoughts and stories influence our behaviors. Behaviors repeated start to create a story so then we have this story about how things are it's fixed it's rigid like the brain and then we live that story and we see the world through the lens of that story about how our parents are about Mm -hmm. how the government is or about how this food whatever it is we have a story about it that story shapes when that solidifies that we create an identity around it yeah. And and that's the unconscious identity, right? Mm-hmm. And that's in that we keep living that, then we get to we will have a destiny around that identity. So making that process conscious, if you go back to the root of it, your thoughts and and the words that are influencing that, what words to use more of, what words to use less of. So what happens when we put ourselves in that position where we think the world is happening to us versus we are a co-creator with it? It's we can call that a, a victim mentality where it's it's like happening to us and I have yeah. no say in it and I'm the victim to it, whatever it is. And then awareness comes in. It's like, hold on, I can see this differently. And immediately there's a new language around if you if you were to describe a certain scenario that's locked in a stress response, a trauma, and if you read it out loud and, and start to loosen it up, then the, there's a magical thing that happens. There's other possibilities of what happened and it's like oh but i didn't consider that because you were you, that trauma and that image burned in mm-hmm. and so that you're only seeing that you're repeating that story over and over again so if you breathe if you can regulate learn to regulate your nervous system then the, then the story can start to shift and we're like well what what happened with the language and you can do that without you can do that both in concert with each other what are the words and how are they taking your attention what are the what are the words and how are they influencing your attention and building the story? There's subsets of our language that make ourselves be victim to the world, to the to the experience. And then there's a way to translate that that puts us in a different point of view. Basic ones are negations versus affirmations, projection versus reflections. 
I'll just use mm. those. And then mm-hmm. soft talk is a really good one. This is um soft talk. Soft talk. Mm. I've not heard so of that. Th- these I want to uh, give credit to in lifted coaching because um, my friend Mark really became a mentor for me around the language. Okay. Projections and reflections. Projection is he, she, it, they, uh, that person's name, mom, dad, etc. When I have a story of what he, she, or they did, that's where I'm putting my attention and energy towards it. Now, if I get somebody to write that out as, as you know, a paragraph of what happened in some kind of event, and, and you're stuck in it, you can't get past it. And I just say, all right, cross out she or he every time it comes up and put I. Read that out loud. And it's incredible how that changes the whole experience. Because some of it will resonate hugely. Yeah. Some of it won't won't quite resonate because there is there is the fact that this happened and, and that's what they did. But like seeing how you like you chose to be in that spot, like you got yourself there taking that level of responsibility shatters, like it, sh- it will yeah. shatter the story. So it starts to, yep. to change. Um, negations versus affirmations. So how we talk to ourselves, talking ourselves into something or out of something. Mm-hmm. I can't serve. I can't make money. I'm, I'm always broke. Uh, that one has binary language too. So which one, the broke one? I'm always broke. Always is mm. binary, meaning it's black or white language. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah. Always, never. Yeah. Every. Always I know those are never. not good. Yeah. And, yeah, because it's the. There's no. It's inaccurate. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So if I if I say I can't do something, then I'm putting my attention on the not doing. It. If I say uh, don't think about a pink elephant, you thought of a pink elephant. It's it's hard because the mind will bypass that, and so you put your attention on it. I can't make money, so you put your mm-hmm. attention on the lack of money. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't our, doesn't our subconscious, this is what I think I remember, it doesn't know the difference. Negative, doesn't know the, well, between real real and like the dream, the, sub, the mind thinks, subconscious thinks it's real. Yeah. But the other thing was ne- ne- negation. It the negation. It just sees what's past it. It skips past it. Yeah. And there's the energy towards that. So if you so, say, I'm not broke, it only hears I I'm am bro- broke right yeah it's it's still putting yeah. your attention on being broke right so it's like yeah the, the subconscious doesn't understand negatives and it's a part of that's the energy and and we would so we're taking this like one sentence at a time but like part of that is the story behind yeah. it because that's going to inform the feelings and energy around it if something is like i ain't broke and and mm-hmm. they're not they're not there's no charge to it and i'm i'm like you, you're okay with one like right that's true the charge yeah yeah it's the, and that's the recognizing the nervous system's part of this yeah. where our attention goes energy flows how are we how are we in unsticking that process and so the words yeah. that we choose have a great influence on that process and it's just it's about obviously there's a lot of game i like to i mean it's gamified mm-hmm. Instead of what if worst case scenario, what if best case scenario? Yeah. Choose different words. That is fun to think of. Yeah. Like, like, what if I get a client tomorrow, right? In business, what what if I go for my run and it's awesome tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What if I, you know, make that change? And then um, soft talk, which is really, so to, to finish with negations and affirmations, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, use the language that puts your attention where you want it to go. Right. Use your exactly. language to put your attention where you want it to go so that you can 
put your energy towards that so that it can grow, right? So, so recognize in your language patterns, when are you saying I can't, don't, shouldn't, um, won't, et cetera, all these mm -hmm. not words. And is that where you want your energy to go? Write it on paper, write the opposite or write where you would like it to go. Writing it down is super important because it, it grounds it and you can change it instead of keeping it in your head. It's a lot of That's mental journaling. Very yes. powerful. Yeah, exactly. Just getting it out onto paper and this, yeah, the soft language. Yeah. Maybe I think perhaps sort oh. of kind of it's language that creates ambiguity. And the reason yeah. we have, and the reason we use soft talk is, is a social thing. It's we mm -hmm. want to melt. We, yeah, we, but we want to feel safe in a social situation. Yeah. And if we don't know where other people stand, then we will mm. be soft. Okay. Yeah. Right. We'll be a maybe or or I think, or kind of, mm -hmm. they did a study, but people would get rat, like people's perceptions would change a lot if they knew where other people stood. So if you're with your people, yeah. you're all, you're all in, you know that, but if you aren't sure if somebody stands on something, you're going to play it socially safe mm -hmm. and use soft talk. Okay. So, so that has a social application, but we're conditioned to use soft talk to everything. So if you bring soft talk into the equation around going for your dreams and your goals and where you want to go, then you're creating ambiguity yeah. around that non-committal. It's vague. It's, it's all of these things, which keep it in the ether and keep it airy fairy versus grounding it into reality in actionable steps. Yeah. So if you, this is big, it's huge. One of the ways to become more aware of it is to write down soft talk words Maybe, I think, sort of, kind of, perhaps, actually, uh, and there's a handful mm -hmm. more of them on, just write them out big, put them on the mirror, and then start noticing where you use those words. Yeah. Hmm. Should detox is another game. Should detox. Should. should. Pressure, pressure language. Yeah, the shoulds are the worst because generally it's it's an idea of someone else, of culture, yeah, yeah. society, and and a lot of the times it doesn't, What's, it's not necessary. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's one of the ways to break that, to move that energy is again, write it down. I should go for a run tomorrow. Uh, so we are shitting ourselves. And if you just cross out, if you read that out loud and see how it feels, I'm super interested in how the words influence how we feel. So that's where this is technology for me is like super exciting. You read that out loud, you get like, oh, I should run for, I should cross out should put could. I yeah. could run tomorrow. See, I even said it with a different inflection yeah, because now it's lighter. an option, right? It, the energy yep. changed. And that I get to, I get to go. I'm start, I, what, what are we talking ourselves into? What are we talking ourselves out of? Yeah. And that's a big thing of awareness because mm -hmm. we're only paying attention to two or three percent of, of the words we're saying out loud and even yeah. less of the words that are circulating through our minds so if you can get that as a as a practice like everything i said now is a you know it's a practice it's theory but put it into practice and start to embody it and let, let the rest take care of itself it's really cool stuff it's so cool and you can do it now mm -hmm. you don't need anything but your course to mm -hmm. really bring it home the the course is really simple it's it's five language games okay and just read this out loud see how it feels swap this word see how it feels yep notice the difference 
And then you can take, those are some, uh, the archetypal subsets of language that we tend to use uh, that sabotage us. And then we, we translate it. So it's just recognizing there's an energetic difference. And I've had people, they, they change their life, like on one change of the word, like it opened, wow. the world goes from flat to round for them because that, that word changing that word and that statement saw a completely new point of view on it. And it's writing it down and reading it out loud. It's like, whoa. So that's really cool. And that course lives on my online platform, which is there's a bunch of other courses because I feel like, you know, meditation is something I lean into teaching people. And without a meditation practice, I feel like so many of the, so many of the other practical courses are less valuable because we're having less, we're bringing less awareness to the table to be able to leverage for, for making it practical. So the change is slower is what I'm saying. If you, if you want to do yeah. anything faster, start meditating. Mm. It'll, it'll make things because you're, you're the plasticity, plasticity of your brain, how you see the world, it starts to soften up and you yeah. can make changes. I like how you described that mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people, we hear this a lot, meditate, meditate. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, fucking heard that already so many times. Mm. And this is another reason is for that, the openness, the plasticity, mm -hmm. because we get stuck in, in our thoughts all the time, all the time. I mean, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Do you follow Joe Dispenza? Totally. Love He's him. legendary. Yeah. So that was a big eye opener yeah. about his whole thing about change your, what is his saying? It's Break like, the habit of being yourself. Yeah. Change your exactly. personal, change your personality and then change your personal reality that's the thing and he's get. using he's leveraging meditation and emotional coherence in order to to wrap to expedite that shift mm -hmm. the heart re coherence yeah yeah because because that and it, like i do a lot of cacao ceremonies where okay where we sit and we drink cacao and cacao has this heart opening effect so it's it it teobromine and anandamine like they're love chemicals and when we're in that state it's so much easier to soften we can mm -hmm. create that through, we can also create that through meditation. So it's getting mm -hmm. aligned with your heart and letting transformation spontaneously happen. And this is where it gets, for me, it's, yeah, I we talk to people about the practical, here's some health benefits to meditation. Here's what you can expect. I'm, I'm more interested in the mystical. Like it's so, I know God. Mm -hmm. I, I, what people call God, I call the present moment, the infinite mm -hmm. present. And, mm -hmm. and I've, it's not something I can just talk about. It's something I can experience. Okay, and that, yeah. yeah. And that for me is like, wow, that's something else. And that's mm -hmm. something I never realized before. And that gives complete context. I mean, I talk about a shift in identity. Huge. Right. Yeah. Because um, that's, that is on every level a shift. Yeah. I think beliefs, connection, all of that. And like transcending. Mm-hmm the physical, the ego, the, the body, mm -hmm. which you identified with. So yeah, the thought body, the much. mental body, the yeah. mental body, the physical body, the emotional, emotional body. It's like, we're all in some kind of state of, uh, I say we're all, that's binary. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we're usually in some kind of state of identification with that. Like if sad comes over, I am sad. Yeah. And, right. and here's a good language one. I'm angry. All right. Write that down. Read that out loud. How do you feel? I'm angry. Oh, I feel angry. 
I'm being angry. So you put a word in, mm -hmm. I'm being angry. Read that out loud. How does that feel? Pathetic. Right? And then now <laughs> I'm practicing being angry. And, and mm -hmm. here's the thing. You like it. Are yeah. they accurate? Or is it getting more accurate as you keep, or as you keep following that? It, for me, usually it is. like that's, I'm acting angry. Yeah, I'm acting. Yes. Yeah. I'm practicing being, mm -hmm. as in, I have a choice. That's, that's but, resonating and scaring me too. Right. Cause I've got some anger stuff for sure. I'm like, God, how do you get like, how do you shift out of it? Because practicing it becomes, being yeah. and, it, and, and then it's, it becomes interesting because if I'm practicing being angry, like, let me, how do I practice being angry? It's like, how could this I'm be good like, at this? How could it be a conscious thing? Cause, cause yeah. anger is an energy. It's not like we need to get rid of anger. It can be used to be very creative. Mm -hmm. yeah movement out of or destructive things. in a in yeah. a way because destruction is part of life too like yeah. some things need to be destroyed some bridges need to be burned and anger yeah. can facilitate that what about saying i feel is that or is that still too identifying with I, it i would see like we would practice it and see for you okay for, for, you know I, like that's how i work with people i don't mm -hmm. have a point of view on how it is like i want I you see. to read it out loud and tell me how you what what shifted i have some yeah. good ideas about where this will take you informed mm -hmm. by my own experience, but also it's you. And some people resonate with one word, some of the one word changes. And some people are like, yeah, it's about the same. Okay. I feel I'm experiencing anger, mm -hmm. something that any language that puts us into process and, and also choosing is, is valuable. Yeah. That's big. And real, because then it, it automatically, reminds I feel, us i feel angry is better than i'm angry yeah I, I think so for me yeah the i am i mean anything you put after i am you become you are that and that that was a big one about with this identity work um when i was making some kind of bigger changes mm -hmm. it was yeah whatever you put after that be really careful choose be choosing because yeah. it's, it's very powerful and I, I i'm more in tune you know when people say i am something mm -hmm. um even I am a morning person. I am a night owl. I know that. Yeah, that... I'm, an I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm yeah. a, yeah, we can, everything is malleable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But is it, that's what I don't know. I, I, I believe we have an intrinsic core personality that's influenced by, I mean, we talked about astrology before coming to this. Like, mm -hmm. I think we come with a, a certain predisposition of personality yeah. traits right. that are, that are authentic to us. Mm -hmm. and we want to live that one of my favorite yeah. um astrologer teachers is like you get your birth chart is like a sheet of music you're going to play it like the eighth grade choir or are you going to play it like the symphony <laughs> orchestra like like yeah. which way are you going to live it out right and that's a that. that's awareness is where that yeah where that comes in and then what did you say about oh yeah so we have choice and in, in all and in, in how we express authentically mm -hmm. yeah Okay. So we've talked a bit about the work that you do. Where can people find you? And I, you have a very unique offering in that you have your own platform. Mm -hmm. So you can get everything for a membership exactly. membership price, which is great. Yeah. The, the Hefe Living Collective, it's taken all my courses and meditation programs and practices and put them in one place along with weekly classes and, and usually monthly workshop uh, around language or something that I'm excited about the time mm -hmm. and and the intention is to you know create collect create you know a community around these practices 
uh, go through the courses, get the experience and share it with the world. Because I, I feel like a lot of people that uh, are involved in that are yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. My by osmosis, I'm spending a lot of time training yoga teachers. So they want more tools. When you recognize a, a tool for what it is, yeah. breath work, a meditation practice that, you know, I can practice this and gain benefit from it. And then also if I've, uh, worked on my craft as being a teacher, then I can teach other people this tool. So yoga teachers come for deeper embodiment and they want to teach it with their tribe as well, which is just, for me, it tickled me. It's like the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just spreading, spreading. spreading. Yeah. And that's, that's what the, we need. Yeah, definitely. And that's yeah. the age that we live in, which I love because mm-hmm. of the, the access to people like you, your knowledge, putting it in one place, sharing it. This has been an amazing conversation. Keep going. We sure could. And I think it's been two hours. Really? I think this is the longest podcast I've ever done. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even keep going. I know this is good. We can do yeah. it on two. Nice so job. I will link all your stuff links, Great all stuff. your things. And yeah, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for and listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Listener. Yes. For, for being here. You amazing human being. And happy living. Yep. Here with Jeff. Yep. I just figured out your name wasn't Hefe. Thanks. It, I mean, I, we we uh gotta talk about branding. I mean Hefe is a nickname, but it's also for me, it's in, in Spanish, it's boss, it's leader. Oh, right. And it's about self. It's mm-hmm. like living through this self, recognizing I'm gonna change myself. Like I'm gonna do it for me, not waiting for somebody else or some event to change me. I'll take responsibility for this life I've been gifted. Yeah. And make something. Make me. I get to make me. <laughs> you get to make you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you are making a great you. Thank you. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. I take that. <laughs> that landed. Feel that? Yeah. Yeah. Well received. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference for visibility. And even better, share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode every other Wednesday. If you're interested in working together to elevate your online presence, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at whereiswillow. I also hang out on LinkedIn, Willow McDonough. Until then, cheers to carving your own fucking path. I love you.